0: Jesus, pray that the meditations of our hearts and the words of our mouths this morning would be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer, amen. Well, this morning, we're going to mix it up a little bit. Uh as usual, one of the things that uh, was really great about uh, the last sermon or, or the sermon before that that he did on the Holy Spirit was that we all kind of participated together and it felt really good to, as a church, be wrestling with the scriptures and asking questions together and And so we're going to try to do some. One of the things I want you to know is that a lot of you wrote questions about the Holy Spirit that weren't uh, answered that morning, but I got all of those questions, and I, I took them home, and I've been using them for bookmarkers in my Bible, and so I'm reading those questions on a regular basis. It's really been good for me to kind of touch the pulse of where you're at with uh, with your faith and with Holy Spirit and things like that. So so this morning what we're going to do, what I'd like to do, and if if it doesn't work out then I'll do something else, but (laughs) I'm hoping not to, is uh, we're going to put the scripture passage on the board and I'm going to read through the scripture passage which is in Thessalonians. We're in Thessalonians chapter 5 this morning and we've been talking about being people of the future. So this morning we're going to Be thinking more around being a people of the future. Not just individual people of the future, but a community of people of the future. And what that means. So uh, go ahead and pop that scripture passage up there, and I'll just read it. And I want you to be thinking about questions that come into your head, questions you might have about this, questions you might have about what it means to be a people of the future. The passage we're addressing this morning is very. Practical, very much about community. So be thinking about those questions. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Let's go to the next thing. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. That's our passage this morning. I thought it was going to be in New International Version, so this is going to catch me a little bit off guard, but we'll go with it. Uh, Because all the word studies I've got on my written down here, it's like it's the word that the New International Version put down. And now they're different words, so we'll see what happens. Anybody want to start us off with a question? We could go back to the, let's go back to the first two verses. Anybody want to start us off with a question about, what Paul is saying here to the Thessalonians. Who is brave enough? No one wants to be the first question asker. It could be, okay, good. Evelyn, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> the first question the first okay. Okay. Really good question. Thank you, Evelyn. Uh, uh, Paul is talking to the Thessalonians and to the church. And one of the cool things about the church, the early church, was that they used the words, they used family words for each other. They used brother and sister. This was not a common thing of the time. This was a thing that the church picked up. And they picked it up a lot because Jesus said to his disciples, you're my new family. You know, when they came, when the when Jesus' own family came to collect him, because they thought, boy, he's he's going off the rails. And what did and they said to Jesus, Your Your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, and then he says, What does he say? He says, Who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Those who do the will of God. So Jesus put this in. And taught this to his disciples. And Paul in the early church picked this up. So they said, you know, one of the best ways to describe who we are as people of the future and who we are as a church is family. And so they used the terms brothers and brother and sisters. Also notice up here, be thinking about more questions. Also notice up here that Paul says, now we. Why does he say, now I ask you? That would be like the individualistic way to do it. Now, I ask you, but Paul uses we because he is in community with several people, Timothy, Silas, and a bunch of unnamed people, and they are writing this letter to the Thessalonians, not Paul alone. So he uses we. If you look through the book of Thessalonians, you'll find I eight times. And you will find Paul. And you will find that Paul uses "we" forty-five times. It's about community. It's about we. Good question. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> um, anybody else a question? It doesn't have to be like a. It could be a really like hard question. Admonish. Good. Yeah. One of the one of the words I studied uh, was admonish, and there's another word in here there's uh, that's the same. Let's see that's later on in verse fourteen, but this word admonish means to put in mind. So if I'm admonishing you or you're admonishing me, you want to keep it in my mind or put it before my mind. So if I'm saying, you know, talking about forgiveness, and you're sharing a story with me, and I want to keep forgiveness before you. I'm admonishing you. I want to say, hey, you need to forgive your mother or your father, or you need to forgive that person from the church. That's admonishment. Uh, there's another, let's see, let's look at verses 14 and 15, see what word uh, encourages uh, Warn. That word says, "I urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those." That's the same exact word as admonish earlier. They just translated it differently. It means to put in mind, or put in front of the person's mind. And that's one of the jobs of a community of people. It's not an easy thing to do. Uh, one commentary I read actually says you need to do it gently. It's it's a it's a gentle word, <laughs> not like ah, you screwed up, you know, and you need to. Fix what you screwed up. Sometimes some of us need to hear that, right? But others don't. So that's what admonish means. Another question. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Good question. Yeah. And what does that mean about leadership? Now, this is this is a it's tough uh, because uh, it's tough for uh, leaders to talk about leadership. But what it means is to um, well, let's go. Let me go back just a little bit where it says. See that a word acknowledge. Acknowledge those. That's really a bad word. Uh, I would would think it's a really bad translation. In In the NIV, it says respect, and that doesn't even have the power of what the Greek word has. The Greek word says know, know your leaders. And then later on, it says love them because of their work. That word love is agape. So basically, Paul is saying know and love your leaders, but not just like we love everybody. Everybody we love with agape, right? We're supposed to love all people because of who we are in Christ and who, who is in us and, and because we're brothers and sisters. But Paul says add an extra bit of love to your leaders, not because of who they are, not because of their position, but because of their work. This is interesting because it's you know we think oh works righteousness we don't have works righteousness but Paul is saying you know judge your leaders in some sense and love them because of what they do among you so that's why you give a, everybody gets that regular love agape uh, no holds barred Jesus loves you we love you and we're called to love you whether it's easy or hard to do but leaders get an extra amount because they do and because they take an extra, extra risk. Let me share uh, I'm just share a couple a little story uh, in that uh, respect. Um, what you one of the things that m- some of you may know about leadership and may not is that it's actually can be a pretty heavy burden. One, you get up, you have to stand up here and t- tell people what, what you think God is saying to them. You know, that's really tricky to do. That's, that's risky. Because if you really believe in God, then it makes you really nervous. Boy, I want to do what God wants. I really want to say the right thing. I don't want to say something that comes from me. Uh, could you put the slide from the book of James up there? There we go. See, that's why James says, not many of you should be teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. One of the things, now, not all leaders may uh, be this way, but I know that Ryan and, and I know myself, and when we, and I know Gabe, and I know Randy, although Randy's, you know, much smarter in the Bible stuff than me. I just tell stories. I did throw that in for Randy, by the way. Um, but I know that for us, we want to take the word of God with integrity. We want to say what the God is saying to these people. We want to say what the Holy Spirit is saying to us for the people. And so it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing. We have to take it. Uh, we take it seriously. And we do believe this, it's going to come back on us. So when I teach something, I'm like, oh, I've got to be doing this. I can't just stand up there and say, let's do this without me practicing it. So that's one of the things about leadership. Okay, go back to Thessalonians. Um, so one of the things, I, uh, a few things that I want to share about uh, just quickly stories. Leadership is tough in, some, in the sense of the dealing with the word, but it also can be a very tra- traumatizing job. Um, there were times when I was a pastor in Nevada that I would be put in positions that were not natural for me. Um, There was a guy named, a man named Tom who was was an alcoholic and who had just quit drinking a a few months and uh, was talking and praying with him, and he had a massive stroke. And so I went to the hospital because I'm the pastor, And in the hospital, Tom was dying on his bed. And I was praying for him in his ear. And Tom died. This isn't something that happens to people every day. But when you're a pastor and when you're a leader in the church, it can happen more often than you would prefer. (laughs) So that's one of the things I think why Paul is saying, you know, respect these people because they put themselves on the line for you. Uh, Now, doesn't mean all leadership does that. Obviously, we're good Americans and we don't trust, uh, we're anti-authoritarian, right? That's probably a good thing in some ways because some leaders are just bad, bad leaders. Um, So that's why he says, by what they do, not so much by their position. Um okay another question out there. Good answered everything. Okay, let's go home. <laughs> Over in the corner Ben Yeah, no, that, uh, the the word actually, um, the word for leadership is actually in there. There's a, uh, it's it's the word over. I don't think it's in this text. Those who are over you, it says. So that's, uh, this one doesn't quite uh, translate it that well. But it says those who are over you. And the double meaning is those who preside over you and, and lead. And then those who lead by caring for you. So it could be a. It's not definitely just not the pastors. It's the the elders, the deacons, anyone in the church. Those who are working for growing home. Those who are leading worship. It's all of the people that are involved in guiding the the, the congregation and the community toward toward what God wants. So, yeah, that's what that's about, and. Um, the old school way is that if you're like if you've got a position of leadership, then people respect you because of your position. Like uh, when I used, I was a student pastor in Wisconsin years back, and I was visiting some people from the congregation, and one of their friends came over. These were all dairy farmers. And one of their friends came over, just dirty and covered, had his hat on, and was covered with cow manure and um, and he came up and he started talking to his friends. I was standing in, in the living room. He came in. He didn't know I was a pastor, which was, was perfect for me. And he started talking to his friends. And he was just cussing up a storm and telling them how those effing cows would not do what they're supposed to do. And, and then they stood there for a while. And then they said to their friend, oh, we want to introduce you to our pastor. <laughs> so what does the guy do? Immediately, he takes his hat off, and he says, gosh darn it, uh, really good to meet you, you know. But that's respecting me for my position. He had no idea what I was doing uh, in or for the church. Um, So definitely, but definitely leadership is not always what's uh, those who are in front and who are appointed, but those who have wisdom in God as well. Other Question. Go ahead and switch to the next uh, set of verses. Questions. Trying to look out over the lights. Got all this down. Yeah. Me too. I don't know. What Does it say the version back there on the computer? Huh? It says it's NIV, but I, that's weird because, I mean, it might be NIV, but uh, I was, I was using my NIV to, I must have a different NIV. (laughs) Oh, so maybe this is the new one and I'm using the old one. Ah, yeah, haven't updated my Bibles. Still using the old one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'd have to run back there. I'll do it. Where is that? Okay. I'm used to doing this. When I was a pastor in Nevada, there were mornings where I was running the sound system preaching, taking, uh, passing out communion, and taking the offering all by myself. So uh, I would run back, turn on the CD for the song, and run up front. And I can't sing, and I would uh, lead singing. It was horrific. But, okay, here's my version, or my, my NIV version. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, notice it just says brothers and not brothers and sisters, so that's an old thing. Warn those who are idle. Encourage encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else so that's that's the version i was working out of it must be the old other questions thoughts if they don't have to be questions about these verses it could be questions about leadership it could be questions about how we do community yes Good. Yeah. The the word there for idol is actually a military word term. And, and when Ryan's been preaching, you notice he's been saying that Paul uses military terms sometimes. And this one's kind of a military term that means kind of to be out of step, to be out of line with the rest of the the troops. So I think it's probably, for me, it's better translated as like undisciplined. And uh, so I'm not... and commentators weren't really sure about what that meant back then. Was that those people who thought the, that Jesus was coming back tomorrow so they were just giving up on everything. They were just throwing out discipline. They were throwing out uh, morals. They just did what they wanted because Jesus was coming back real soon. Uh, for us I mean this could mean a lot of things for us is how do we uh, encourage and admonish those who are undisciplined those who who just kind of go with the flow and and don't really work at some parts of their faith. You know, that's a good question. How How would we operate in that setting of admonishing each other? Yes, sir. Right. Well, a a couple things, I'm not sure on all of that, but a couple things that do help is that two of these words, um, in my version, one is, uh, let's see, uh, urge, I guess it says, urge those who are undisciplined. The word is, uh, the word in Greek means to call someone, to call them from beside. And then you move down uh, to the word um, encourage, and that means to relate to them from beside. So you see this image that's coming through the words that it's kind of like this rather than like this. And this is huge for a community of believers that we're all walking on this journey together, and as we're going along, we're next to each other when we are confronting each other, Um, encouraging each other, you know, be more disciplined, don't be afraid, don't be weak. The word that uh, timid means faint-hearted, and it actually, if you translate it directly, means little soul, you know, encourage those of little soul. It's kind of an interesting version. How many of you felt like, I've got little soul before in your lives? I think most of us, um, and then it talks about the weak. Help the weak. The great thing about that word "help" is it actually means adhere to, hold on to. So if there's someone who's weak in the body, latch onto them and help them along. Now the great thing is that these aren't things; these aren't words that are describing people who are permanently in that position. These are words who describe all of us when we're in those positions. I don't know about you, but I have been undisciplined. I have been timid, and I have been weak in my faith, in in the history of my faith. And I've I've needed people to come alongside me because the people that have come straight for me, ah, how well does that work? How many of us listen to those people unless they've already walked beside us? But the people who come alongside, they change me. And I, I respect that. Other questions? Yes. So yeah, you're, you're going outside the parameters, Gary. <laughs> you know I haven't studied that. I'm sorry laughing in the microphone um wow oh wow you asked the hard questions good for you uh let's pray right now (laughs) well I'll give an example okay uh Gary said uh What about, he wanted to jump ahead to verse 19, which says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Uh, I can share a story. Randy could tell you the absolute truth on that from the scriptures, but I'll share a story. Uh, Way back uh, when we lived in San Diego, we belonged to a small, intentional, well, unintentional Christian community that I think I've talked about before. We all lived on this cul de sac, six families. And uh, we all lived next to each other in, the, in three duplexes. And so we would meet every week um, on Monday or Tuesday night, I think we would meet for worship and Bible study. Well, I had been having a hard time and I had been feeling quite guilty for some of the sins that were going on in my life. And so I was praying and I felt, wasn't, you know, I'm never really sure, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Dan, you need to humble yourself before this group of people. You need to wash their feet. And I'm like, yeah, right. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm like, this has got to be the Lord because if this is me, I'm not going to, there's no way I'm going to do this because I don't want to do this just because it popped into my head. So I said, okay, Lord, if this is you, I'm kind of a Gideon in this way, but I said, Lord, if this is you, I want... You to have absolutely everybody come to the meeting on Monday night. Now, in you probably know, just like this church, in our community, the amount of times that everybody had been at a meeting together could be counted on one hand in four years. It never happened. So I'm like, oh, this is a sure bet. There's no way everybody's going to come. I'm not going to have to do this. So, We went to the meeting, and, of course, not everybody was there, and I breathed a sigh of relief. And then the last two people walked in. Now, that was a moment when I could quench the Holy Spirit. I could say, I just can't, I'm not going to do this. uh, God has come through with his part. I have heard my part. I'm not going to do it. That would be quenching the Holy Spirit because I knew that's what God wanted. In fact, I was sitting there shaking because I was nervous about washing feet and somebody said, oh, isn't this strange? We're all here tonight. It was like God was speaking right through that person and then I went on to wash their feet. Uh, But quenching the Holy Spirit is not doing what you know God is calling you to do when you have been led to do it. And I think that can happen too as well with, reading the scriptures and not doing the scriptures. So I don't know that you got that's what I got for that. But One Kelly, how are we on time? She's my timekeeper. Doing all right. Yeah, Mark. That's 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 the question of our era. I think is this costs something? It costs something in in putting aside time and energy and materials to spend with each other. And the, our American culture is is working the exact opposite direction with this, pushing us to work more, more people in the family working, spend. Uh, more time on our our houses and our material goods, and and spend less time, having less time. We're so busy, we have less time with each other. So what Paul is talking about in this culture, they were much more available to each other. They were much more living within a close proximity to each other. In our culture, because of travel and technology, Technology and as far as travel and communication, some ways we can be closer together because of that. But in other ways, we're way apart from each other. So this is really tough. So some of the things that this would demand, if we were to say, let's be a community of the people of the future, it probably would be maybe going to your job and saying, you know, I want to work less because I need some time to spend with my brothers and sisters. It might be looking at your budget and saying, you know, I need to simplify. This huge house that I have is taking so much in maintenance. I've got to spend so much time here. It could mean cutting back on entertainment that we're just trying to, you know, space out because we're so busy and so tired and saying, I'm going to take this time and spend it with these people We've done, Kelly and I have done lots of, we spend a lot of time in, with groups that are trying to do this. So we lived in San Diego on a cul-de-sac with six other families. We lived in San Francisco with about 30 to 40 people in four huge row houses. One of the rules, one of the things that we decided to do in San Francisco was ask everyone to work 32 hours a week. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Who's, and you go, well, whose boss is going to do that, right? But everybody, almost everybody was working 32 hours a week and took eight hours a week to have relationships where they could do these things. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, warn those who are idle. Another thing that we did in that community so that we could afford to live on 32 hours a week was we shared our possessions. We shared our money. We shared our cars. We had 35, 40 people. We had something like 12 cars. We all shared those cars. Now, that has its own problems. (laughs) Believe me, it has its own problems. But it also can give you time to do this and give you time... Uh, also to walk uh, in ministry together with each other, not just helping each other grow in Christ, but actually serving Christ together, which is another way to, to grow in Christ. So that's kind of, you're right, Mark. It's, it takes some tough choices. And for a community of believers like this who we are we're all immersed in our culture and we're good Americans, man, this is going against the grain for us. Other questions? Yes. Oh. I'll go with Dan since you had one of them. Okay. Well, this, along Mark's point, this also yeah. I to judge you? It's kind of what I'm yeah. Yeah, this... I, I'm not a person, that do you. No, this is perfect because... It's not about judgment. It can be about judgment because that's what, you know, Jesus is, is very specific on that. Do not judge. Paul's very specific. Do not judge. So we've got to learn a way of encouraging without judgment. So uh, like I've shared in the past, sometimes it's revealing your own weakness and saying, you know, I'm weak this way, and I notice this is happening with you. Let's walk together in this. You know, it takes some humility to be able to encourage people, not from above, but from beside. Like, I've been there, man. Um, I know it's horrible. Uh, my marriage was falling apart kind of thing. And I, I see this this happening with your marriage. Let me tell you what what happened with us and how God intervened. Stuff like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, because judgment is easy. uh Another thing that is, uh, when he's talking about leadership, he says, "Know and love your leadership." He's talking about a face-to-face relationship. If you try to do a lot of this admonishing and, and criti- criticism and stuff through social media, it will fail. This is type of stuff that you have to do face to face, and that's we have to have the courage to do that. Technology fails in this. Encouragement through social media, fantastic, right? Wonderful. But if you want to talk directly to somebody about something that you think is wrong, going wrong in their life, you've got to know and love them. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Let me see, I had had a story about that yes Uh, when I was a pastor in in Nevada uh, social media wasn't so big of a thing and I was in a ranching community gold mining community social media wasn't a big thing but people did send letters and stuff that old school way and as a pastor I would regularly get anonymous letters I would. Uh, they would come, they had no return address, and then Kelly reminded me that they, the whole uh, criticism, would, I'd read the letter, it was just horrific <laughs> sometimes, and there would be no signature, or it'd be like, blessings, your brother or sister, you know. <laughs> and so I shared this with the congregation, I said, you know, we're people of the future, we need to be reconciled with one another you don't need to send me anonymous letters. You need to come and talk to me, and I need to come and talk to you when I'm, this. So there, were, uh, my secretary had a daughter, and she would, she was thirty, mid-thirties. She would come to worship sometimes. She heard that sermon, so the next week, she wrote this letter with, with no return address, and so I'm sitting in my office, and I get this letter, and I'm like. Oh, I slam it on the desk. I'm like, oh, another one of these. I just talked to the congregation about this. And then I open it up and she says, you're wonderful. I love you and thank you for being, God. you know, all this encouragement. And then uh, she, that later that week she came in and she's like, got you, didn't I? You know. But that that's not how, you know, but that anonymous straightening out of people, it that's not how Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit makes us hold on to each other, adhere to each other. Four minutes? <laughs> okay, thanks. Kelly's my timekeeper because I don't want to, like, go away four, five hours or something. You're like, ugh. Okay, another question. I the comments. Our comments, fantastic. Okay. Right? Okay, so the one that's used throughout Thessalonians is actually the Greek strong word three eight seven o for para. What is it? I can count that. I'm letter Bible. Blue letter Bible. Bible. Yep. Okay, so yep. So para, hang on, hang on, yep. So paracleo is so closely related to the word that John used. Yep. Exactly. No, that's fantastic because actually what Paul is asking us to be, he's saying, you need to be like the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit works beside. The paraclete works from beside and walks with us from beside, and so Paul is encouraging us to take on the same work that the Holy Spirit does with us, and that's how we love our brothers and sisters. Yeah, the para para part of all those words is the beside part. And I just love that image because it's so much not like this. It's so much like this. Yeah. So we're probably time up. So let me uh, see. I just want to say one last thing. This is the kind of conversation that is good for us to have together. And we can have this together, and we do have this together in some of our small groups. If you're a part of a small group, fantastic. Have these kind of conversations. How can we be a church that loves each other and spends time with each other so that we can do these things? Um, and then if you're not in a small group or, or with a group of people where you can talk about these things, I encourage you to get in one. That's the first step. You know, For some of us that are in groups, maybe uh, the next step is spend more time. Maybe uh, our 10-minute table. Start meeting twice a week. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be a little hard, but be cool. And we get to know each other even more. Now, there's a lot here that we didn't get to, um, especially about paying back evil for evil instead of paying back good for evil. But I guess we'll leave that for another time. And maybe Ryan will pick up on some of that when he preaches next week. I want to just read my summation of what I think this passage is saying in my own words uh, from the word studies and all of that. We are called together in the Lord to know and love each other as family, to walk beside each other, reminding one another to practice peace, suffer long That's the word patience. Suffer long with all people and hunt for good to repay you.